0: This is the We Are Her podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) Welcome to the We Are Her podcast. And um, I know you'd prefer right now to be introduced as Girl Adrift. So hello, Girl Adrift. Um, Will you introduce yourself to the listeners and kind of tell us what that pseudonym means?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I do go by Girl Adrift on all things We Are Her. It started off as my blog handle when We Are Her first launched. I was one of the original contributors I think there were six total contributors at that time five so there were just five of us and I sort of came up with that name as a pun because I'm kind of really into puns (laughs) and even though I guess I'll start even though that word is very feminine I do in my current life use they them pronouns okay for myself um but I really kind of loved the pun when it worked out so my story starts while I was active duty military Mm. and there's a phrase within military especially the nautical side because I was coast guard That gear adrift is something that Mm. is bad or out of place. It's a very negative connotation because if you're on a boat and you're underway and you hit a big wave or something and things aren't secured where they're supposed to be, it can become dangerous. Mm. So it just sort of became Girl Adrift as a way to be like, I'm a little out of place. I'm a little don't know where I am right now. And it really just worked perfectly and then it tied directly into the military side of things.
0: Right. It's a meaningful metaphor for you specifically, but even just you telling me what that means feels very um significant. I I I love that.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, and and Stevie helped me pick it out. I think I gave her a couple different options and then mm. we landed on
0: that. So Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to explain that to the listeners and to me. I think that's really powerful. Um So normally what I do on the podcast is just kind of ask anyone who's a guest to start telling their story wherever you feel like it's the most appropriate for you. And it can be anywhere in your journey.
1: All right. So I'll probably just start a little bit where I am now and work my way back. Okay. Um, Right now, I am in a super great place. I am graduating with my bachelor's of science in biopsychology this May. So it's been a long time coming to get this college degree and I'm so ready to be graduated. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so, okay, now I'm rambling.
2: No, you're, <laughs> um,
0: you're doing great. It's hard, I think, to kind of like piece it all together. Like where to yeah. start?
1: So that's where I am today versus when I first... Kind of started my healing journey was I really needed to even figure out what had happened Mm. to kind of wrap my head around it. I think I didn't necessarily realize how bad things were until it was like I'm in my car driving, sobbing uncontrollably because of this experience that I just had with my abuser with Austin. Um so to go back a little further of course I was married to my high school sweetheart very briefly it was not a good relationship it was one of those things where I am young and this person is giving me some sort of attention and that feels great And then it sort of just became, well, now this guy's around and now we're dating and now I'm going to join the military. And the only way that we could logistically live together or even live in the same area to continue our relationship, marriage was really the option, which is definitely a military culture kind of thing. I ended up stationed eight hours away from my very small hometown. So not a like totally around the world situation, but definitely too far to maintain a long distance relationship of any sort. So then we basically had decided that we were going to at the very least be engaged as soon as I was out of basic training. And then I went to my first duty station and was kind of Absolutely miserable at first, just you know, the culture shock of joining the military. I was one of three female people at my very small 20 something unit. So it was just isolating, kind of in general. So I felt that I needed that sort of like roots kind of thing. So we decided to get married and he moved out there. And then we got a really small. Like the tiniest one-bedroom apartment you could possibly find, and had no furniture, and just my parents helped us buy like a bed and a mattress, and we're just kind of doing that weird newlywed thing, and it was just a whirlwind of new things. And then, well,
0: new and also like very stressful. I mean, those circumstances, I mean, those particular variables in place as the foundation of your relationship is not necessarily typical, nor necessarily, I would say, um, particularly like stable. (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely. And my work schedule was also crazy. It was the civilian equivalent to kind of a firehouse kind of schedule. So it was rolling 48s. And then over the weekend, it was 72 hours. So for like a Monday, Tuesday, I was completely gone at work. And then Wednesday, Thursday, I would be at home and attempt to have some sort of normal life for those two days and then i would go back to work friday saturday through sunday and then that just kept rolling so Mm -hmm. even while we were together we were only physically able to be together half of the time
0: i have a a kind of a question for you about that i'm i am wondering like if your relationship and your military career at all felt integrated or was it like stepping between two worlds all the time
1: It was really stepping between two worlds, especially because um, my spouse at that time, who I should be clear was not my abuser in this situation. This is just kind of the precursor that leads Mm. to that. But he was not overly supportive of my lifestyle. He definitely kind of wanted that, you know. I'm the man, so I should be the breadwinner that definite masculine role. Hmm. and he didn't feel like he could fulfill that because I was the primary breadwinner. I was the one who made most of the financial decisions because it was at the end of the day, my money, essentially. You're being you know, a badass milita-
0: person in the military, <laughs> <laughs> yes, something, something
1: like that. And you know, he was just struggling to get a job at first, and then. He got a job, but he hated it, and then he needed to find another job and just it was definitely like living two separate worlds, so it was stressful in every single way, but there were definitely good moments, and once things did kind of settle and I realized like, okay, this is my life, I need to take the next step for my military career, I was starting to have some clarity of this is not the relationship for the rest of my life mm. that you know, it was working for me when I needed it to. And we were just too different. You know, he wanted that very patriarchal type relationship. I did not. I was questioning some of my sexuality at that time. He was not supportive of any of that. And I just needed to move on Mm -hmm. from that. So I ended up getting orders to a new location. It was just for a temporary training. It was eight weeks long and that was all the way across the country. So other side of the country. And it was while I had time away from him that I was totally just 100%. This is not for me. I need to get a divorce and kind of go my own way. Mm. And while I was struggling with that, you know, I had a select number of people in my life that were really supportive of that decision. And I had a lot of people that were like, oh, well, you're just not trying hard enough. Mm -hmm. You know, getting married really young is hard. Getting married in the military is hard. You just need to try harder. But I was to the point where it wasn't about trying harder anymore. It was, we are fundamentally different people. And it wasn't until we were adults. Right. You know, quote unquote adults 19 and 20 years old. Right. We were like, okay, we jumped into this. And we had also had a really realistic idea of marriage that it was forever, but it didn't have to be forever. Right. Like if things got bad, we were never going to make each
0: other absolutely miserable. We were willing to move on. Which is like, that's actually a very healthy dynamic, right? I mean, I think um, marriage means a lot of different things to different people. But, um, you know, if someone needs to be out or to be done or to have space, that is an individual's right to do that. And it sounds like both of you had discussed that before, which is, I think, uncommon, but like really healthy.
1: Yeah, I think I had always had some kind of some kind of radical feminism buried within me mm. that just kind of led me to some of those conversations that I might not have had because I was such a small town born of the corn <laughs> type <laughs> like lifestyle you know seriously my our hometown has the sweet corn festival which is like the biggest deal ever there's a sweet corn queen pageant
0: that I participated in and did not do well <laughs> <but> <laughs> it's just I'm thinking of all my midwestern homies right now and how how like I just I can't identify with that at all but it is that is that's that's beautiful that's a great image thank you
1: (laughs) right so he was very much in that sort of world Mm. that he never really stepped out of and I was ready to step out of it and part of joining the military was to step out of it right but the very first person that absolutely was like, no, marriage is hard. Get a divorce. It's fine. That person was Austin Mm -hmm. because my abuser was somebody who was already in my life. um, Not really in a friend kind of way, but more in a mentor kind of way um, Mm -hmm. was involved with, My military things um, was also active duty military, but we were not stationed in the same place. So when I had that one person that was like, yeah, no, marriage is hard, like move on. I felt instantly supported and definitely kind of gravitated Mm. towards that kind of thing.
0: And I I just, not to interrupt, I'm sorry, I just, I, I think it's really interesting that you are pointing out this specific dynamic right from the beginning, not as an equal or a peer, but as a mentor. And when I hear the word mentor, I think of someone who has more power, right? Like there's an already a power differential. And then it sounds like Austin sort of saw an opportunity to start wedging in, to like exploit a moment where you were having like doubts And then with having all that extra power within the dynamic, that one-on-one dynamic, it's like, oh, yeah, very easy to just kind of start coming into the situation and taking control.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there was definitely an age difference also, um, which I think is, is worth noting just because my spouse at the time was actually a year younger than me. So, I think I was definitely like looking for that, like, oh, he's an older man. Like, he must have his life figured out. Like, he's done really well and he's working his way up in the military. And, you know, this is somebody that I can look up to because they've done all these cool things in their life that I haven't yet. So, it was definitely a little bit of that. Like, I immediately admired him for those things. And I'm, Certain that he latched right onto that Mm -hmm. um, to some extent. And whether or not, in like the very beginning, it had any sort of actual like intent, I obviously can't speak to that. But there was definitely that energy where I was the kind of wide eyed puppy dog who really enjoyed talking to this person. Mm. And from there, I, after the temporary um, duty, I then was sent back home to where I was living with my then husband and had the conversation with him that I was totally done and he needed to take what he needed from our apartment and the movers were going to be coming to pack everything up. And then he could gather the remainder of his stuff, like whatever didn't fit in his personal vehicle um, later once they were delivered to our, to my new location, which was only about a four hour drive from our tiny little town. So part of my choice in the military always was about someone else Mm. also, which I think I, it took time and space to realize that, that the entire reason that I ended up at the duty station I ended up was so that I could make my husband's life easier. Mm. That there were other places that I could have went, but because I wanted to make sure he had a way to get his stuff back, that it was, you know, nearby and easy for him.
0: Right. Right. Not quite and- like the choice that you would have made for yourself otherwise.
1: Yeah. Yeah so i'm definitely have that sort of personality type i guess especially while i was young i was 21 during this specific point um so i definitely had that like i want to please energy still mm-hmm. that i've hopefully i feel i have shed some of that with my current self but at that time i was definitely like wanting to make other people happy and wanting to make other people's lives better and that like Energy of I want to do everything I can and then some to make other people happy or other people like me or other people feel like I'm doing this awesome thing for them.
0: Right, which I think is a pretty typical experience for um, people who identify as female, right? Like, or not even who identify as female, but who are conditioned to fit a female gender role or gender stereotype that you always give more than you take you're always looking to please others before you, you know, please yourself. Um and that's that's hard. It create it immediately creates dynamics in romantic relationships especially when that other partner is of the opposite gender that there's a power differential that sort of just like naturally manifests because both of those people are trying to fit those gender roles, you know that one wants to be the dominant one and one is told that they should be the submissive one. And like that doesn't necessarily always lead to great long-term outcomes. Um, But yeah, I just so appreciate you, you sharing that kind of internal perspective that you were going through at that time. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: I then found myself living um, by myself in this really nice one bedroom apartment that I found for myself and was kind of feeling like I had a complete fresh start, right? Like I was almost through with all of the paperwork for our divorce, which was really simple because we didn't have any like property or kids or anything together. Um, He had to like refinance his car loan because my name was on it. And that was pretty much it. Like Mm it was really easy. And I definitely look back and just know how more complicated that could have been, Mm. especially if there would have been any sort of like children involved. So I am so very glad that young me made good decisions for older me. (laughs) And so I was just in this crazy whirlwind. And the one like stable thing was no matter what crazy nonsense was going on, I could send text messages to. Austin and like just have that conversation with him about whatever crazy thing was going on in my life and he had a real knack for just kind of being like oh yeah life's crazy but like you're doing great so you know just keep trucking on or any sort of reassuring thing that I just thought was like the sun shining on to me or something Mm. like it
0: was He was feeling a real need. He was feeling some sort of real need that you had and how he was able to sort of sense that and then, um, you know, act accordingly is kind of an interesting, I think that'll be, I think it'll be something that will come out of your story. But I do think um, that probably felt so good because it was something that you needed at the time and he knew it.
1: Yeah. So that pretty much summarizes at least the starting point of everything where things kind of where I was at, where he was at. And also I should say, he was also very far away from my new location also, Mm -hmm. and was in the middle of, he was getting orders to be sent to a new place as well in a higher up leadership type position. So Mm -hmm. he was really excited for that, but then there was basically no chance that we would be geographically near each other at all like it absolutely had to be a flight to get to each other
0: Mm. do you how do you feel that that played out in the dynamic moving forward so the
1: the biggest thing is just that my only sort of sense of what he was doing with his life is the things that he would tell me Mm. so there was never total transparency because Mm. I had we had really no mutual friends mm-hmm. together he was you know essentially across the other side of the country and wasn't also he was older so he wasn't as active on social media and things like um as i was at that time so i think that definitely played a role of just he was able to completely frame himself right. in a way that i I mean, to this day, don't know how much of it was actually true and how much of it is actually, you know, the things that he was disclosing at that time. But right, I but was it, he had total trusting. control.
0: Well, He was able to yeah. control every, um, everything that you saw of him, control the entire perspective, his persona. Um, you, There was no accountability. How could there be you were so far away?
1: Yeah. I'm curious to know, and did it had he? Been, oh, go ahead. It had been two years since we had physically saw each other Mm. at this point too. All of our communication was online and like Skype and those sorts of things. So there was just that extra element of I had no idea what his life was day to day.
0: Mm. And I um, before before we collided and (laughs) I accidentally interrupted you, I was going to ask what was his communication like? Like how often was he... Sort of reaching out, or how often did you guys connect? And what was that like? It was pretty much every single day that we were texting.
1: Wow. And then from there, I, it was sort of, we had this weird moment. Um, I remember it very clearly to this day. I was at work at my, my new office, my new duty station, and he just sort of out of nowhere was like, Oh, do you have a crush on me? Hmm. and I was like one immediately was kind of offended I was like crush like are we 12 like Hmm. you are a I think he was 37 or 38 at that time and I was 21 so I was like you're a grown man asking if I have a crush on you like I'm I don't know it felt even a little odd at then and I remember calling him out a little bit and was like I don't think I would call it a crush, but I might have some sort of feelings for you. Like, yeah, they sort of came out of nowhere. Is that weird? Is that okay? And then we sort of had a conversation about that. Mm. And this was all text message up until this point. We really didn't talk on the phone until after we had sort of gotten a little more serious, I guess. And Mm -hmm.
2: then
1: our first sort of quote unquote date was with over Skype. Hmm.
0: But I am hearing this pattern of it getting like more serious, more intense, um, more, yeah, like it's progressing, right? So how, what did that process kind of look like? How did it progress moving forward?
1: So that's also a very interesting thing to explain. And I guess I should openly disclose at this point. So part of why I was so over my marriage and my relationship was i was not happy with monogamy mm. at all i had always kind of had an idea that something else existed um but i was doing a lot of tedious work at my first duty station and i found that i really loved listening to podcasts mm. of all things and found one podcast that i absolutely loved and it was called sex nerd sandra with Sandra Doherty and she was a sex educator who just talked about anything and everything about sex from super weird stuff, you know, quote unquote, weird, like Mm -hmm. clown sex and balloon popping to what healthy relationships are like and how to talk about STIs with your partner and just all kinds of crazy, you know, quote unquote, crazy things that I had never in my entire cornbread life heard
0: of I I was gonna say the princess of the corn probably with your little sash was not getting like a whole lot of sex ed talks (laughs) exactly so
1: and I had always kind of had a weird curiosity with like sex and gender Hmm. honestly from almost as long as I can remember and kind of not having a real outlet for it. So then when I found these podcasts and I was like, Hey, this whole other population of people live these awesome lives and just get to do what they want and are, you know, as safe and as smart about it as they can be. But it really, I really wanted to be able to explore some of those things. So at this time I was also talking about some of these things with Austin Mm. and he was receptive And was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I can understand that. But he, he was always a little hesitant and was always a little like, well, I don't know if I could really do total Mm non-monogamy. Like, I don't know if I could do that long-term. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be long-term necessarily, but like right now I'm not super interested in pure monogamy. I would like the opportunity to have other partners outside of whoever my quote-unquote main partner or primary partner is typically the language and being long distance that made that really easy to do so we sort of just eased into the idea of like let's find a way to like get into the same place and just make sure that all of this whirlwind romance any sort of feelings actually translates to being in the same
0: place Mm
2: Yeah, it's and, one thing
0: over text message, right, and another thing completely when you're trying to live out an intimate relationship with the person in person.
1: Yeah, so that was really important to me. So we, he had family, like, the state or two over from where I was living, and he was going to be visiting them. So we made a plan to, like, meet halfway, essentially, and just spend a night in a hotel together and just kind of see how how things went like just seeing each other having dinner whatever um went
0: and, so and we how did it, th- it went <laughs> how did it go <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it was a little weird just mm. because we had never we hadn't seen each other in a long time but i was instantly really comfortable with him mm. the one thing that was weird is that his son was with him mm. So we didn't really have total privacy necessarily. And I think it's also worth noting that his son um, has special needs. Mm -hmm. So isn't necessarily the most typical kind of teenage kid. So while he was there, that also was almost a little just uncomfortable meeting also this brand new person while we were trying to be like oh are we romantically interested with each other oh by the way here meet my kid
0: right who's going to need like some uh, you know attending to and attention while you're in this dynamic trying yeah trying to get to know each other in person
1: yeah which in my mind also was like the only reason he was going to be in the state was so that he could spend time with his kid and his family. Mm -hmm. So then I was definitely like, Oh, yeah, by the way, maybe I can just make this trip happen. So it was even from the beginning, I was never really the true priority. But to be fair, also, you know, as military people, we don't always get a lot of leave. So when we get leave, we try to do as absolutely everything we can possibly fit into that time. And he was moving into a leadership position where he would have even less freedom to have time off. So part of that is the military thing. And part of that is also, you know, I am certain at this point that I was always, you know, the
0: afterthought. Sure. And so after that meeting, how did things kind of progress further? How did it go from there? So we kind of just
1: kept things kind of, actually, no. (laughs) So this was, I'm trying to like think of the date because again, this was pretty, pretty long time ago at this point. But I knew that I wanted more time with him and I wanted time with just him. So I pretty fast after that was like, okay, I'm going to plan a trip to come see you, come visit you in your apartment, in your world where you live. Give me times where you're going to be home because he was stationed on a cutter on a boat that was gone for a certain length of time. So we had to make sure that my schedule and his schedule and everything work out. And I had enough money to buy a flight and all of that. So it was pretty much like, okay, we met. That's great. Things are good. Let's get together and let's keep this relationship kind of going and then there was a very interesting wrench in the very beginning where all of a sudden he had this long lost ex-girlfriend call him up and say that she was so very sorry that she ever broke up with him. Like the kind of the the thing that only happens in rom coms.
0: Sure.
1: I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But some The Love happened.
2: Triangle.
1: Yes. And then he was like very much well this was this was the girl for me like she was it for me like this was this was my chance and i was very supportive and i was like okay then you deserve to pursue that again like i'm a relatively new thing in your life like okay just keep me updated on this and she came and visited him and we talked about intimacy very openly and according to him that they never had sex and that she Physically could not have sex at that time because she was recovering from some kind of surgery or medical condition, whatever it was. But he had paid for her travel, Hmm. which he was not offering for me.
2: Hmm.
1: And I guess also it's like, okay, look at all these yellow and or red flags that I was so not privy to at the time. But that sort of came and went, and then she disappeared, and he never really heard back from her again. And then, and this was after the trip. So then things just kind of kept going along with him and I. And then all of a sudden, he heard that she had a boyfriend the entire time that she was doing this stuff with him. So everything was weird and complicated pretty much from the
0: beginning. And I would say that the theme of you feeling like an afterthought was definitely still present, even in that kind of like hiccup with her. And you were always sort of like not the priority, which you had said previously, but I see that dynamic playing out again, even as the relationship was supposed to be getting more serious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So then my trip... Went out, I went out to see him and things were great. It was absolutely amazing. And then he had a trip where he was coming up my direction and then we met in the middle again. And then, you know, things just kind of kept progressing along. And all through this time, I was also dating people locally. And I was always extremely transparent like, hey, there's this other person in my life and he's really important to me you know, his name is Austin and we have this sort of open dynamic where we're dating people, but we also have our like core thing together. And Austin at the time was presumably doing the same thing. Um, it was a little later. I found out that none of his partners knew that I existed. Mm. Um, again, about the second priority,
0: you know?
1: Yeah. Or they knew I existed because I was texting him nonstop, but I was just the friend
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we weren't the intimate person. That we weren't intimate together. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> hmm. That we were intimate together, but he was never disclosing that to them, which now with my further education and everything that I was essentially attempting to set up some kind of boundary of like I'm going to tell all of my partners that you exist and you should then be telling all of your partners that I exist and if you're not doing that then it's not fair to our other partners that know that we're never going to be truly monogamous because we always have these like trips planned a couple months out to see each other
0: right right but that that's like the honest healthy way to communicate with a partner And that just kind of wasn't happening on his end.
1: Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of it was, it was easier to not attempt to explain any of this, but it's definitely not fair to these women that he was dating that had genuine feelings for him or didn't, but were trying to figure it out. And it just wasn't fair that they didn't know that he was so involved in my life or at least as involved as he was willing to be.
0: Right. So that's, yeah, that's an interesting statement. I feel like there's <laughs> there's some <laughs> some stuff behind that. And I'm curious, like, what, what does that mean? And kind of like, yeah, what, so that sounds like a theme. I mean, that's a theme that's repeating mm-hmm. itself in this conversation. And I kind of want you to, if you're willing to, like, expand on that a little bit more, like, where, because that to me sounds like a power differential, which is absolutely the foundation of an abusive relationship where you were always on um the back burner he always had the power and control of determining you know when where why how and then you're sort of left on the other side like hoping that things will be what you deserve but they just kind of weren't so i'm i'm curious to know what that sort of means to you
2: yes
1: so it's very interesting also another sort of disclosure time is while he and i were exploring our romantic relationship i was really attempting to explore some sort of kinky dynamic as far as um bdsm goes sure. and being long distance that's of course a much more complicated way to be attempting that but this was somebody that i did trust a whole lot so i felt safe with him in that aspect mm. um at the very least a very naive sort of trust and respect, but I never felt he was doing true harm to me that I kind of feel like now that he was definitely causing a lot of emotional harm, but my brain didn't necessarily process emotional harm in the same way that physical harm is just so easily recognized, which is definitely, again, a theme across this whole thing. But I was very interested in exploring my submissive side. Mm. So I wanted him in many ways to have that dominant role Mm -hmm. over me. Mm -hmm. But I wanted it to be in a healthy boundary set. Consensual. (laughs) Yes, consensual kind of way that it really never was. But I think I was a little bit desperate, a little bit naive, a little bit ready to just jump in head first. So when he was doing some of the things that we're talking about, I wanted him to be kind of doing that. I wanted that role a little bit, but I never wanted it in our romantic relationship. I wanted it separate in our own sort of intimate, kinky, sexual side. Right. But there wasn't a clear line ever.
0: And so, I, I'm i going to, if you don't mind, because I've actually done some... um educating of my own on the BDSM community. And I think for yeah. a lot of people who've never had any exposure, it can be really confusing. And I would love if you're willing to just like maybe explain mm-hmm. a little bit about the difference between like that um, consensual submissiveness versus what's not a con- type of consensual submissiveness. Because, um, because I yes, because I think that can be really confusing for folks.
1: Yeah. So this is also really my jam and my research area in addition to my biopsychology degree, I have a sociology and gender studies minor. So I've really taken a lot of my recent academic work to kind of dive into polyamorous relationships and BDSM and consent and those sorts of things. So just to kind of start very basically, um, BDSM, I should define that, stands for Bondage and Discipline dominant, submissive, and sadist, masochist, or sadism, masochism. You can say it a couple different ways. Basically, it's always about a power dynamic of some sort, um, an exchange of pain for pleasure, giving or taking some sort of discipline or lack of control. And the key point of all things BDSM is that consent. So everything is negotiated. Everything is talked about uh, ahead of time. Everything is ideally in really nice boxes of this is what we're going to do. This is our goal for this, whether it's something physical, whether it's a little more mental, and then both parties are gaining something from the experience. It should never be one-sided where one person is getting the pleasure and there isn't any on the other side. And it can be really complicated because on the outside looking in, it can look abusive. It can look like someone causing harm. Right. And something I like to say is, or specifically people in my life say to me is that I never want to harm you, but I want to hurt you. Like, I want you to feel pain because you enjoy that, but I never want to cause
0: harm that you are damaged long term because of it. Right. And some people don't enjoy feeling pain. So for them, it wouldn't be a pleasurable or consensual experience. Some people do find pleasure in pain. And as long as they're consenting, and again, everything has been like talked about and negotiated with, that is 100% within their control. That's what they want. Um, It's, it is consensual. Um, And I think, yeah, I just really appreciate that little education moment. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And everything has a time limit within
1: BDSM. There is always a time where With, you know, asterisk, there is an exception to this, but there's always an end. So we call them scenes as far as like we're acting out this scene and then that ends. And now we're just, you know, Bob and Sally again and we're in a relationship and we love each other and we're not engaging in this sort of play for another word. Mm -hmm. There are long term dynamics and there are total power exchanges where there is no quote unquote end. But that's few and far between. That's typically the more romanticized idea of BDSM versus the practical way most people practice.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So that, again, goes back to that consent.
0: Right. And so, um, so this was entering into your relationship with Austin. Yeah. So
1: I wanted to explore some of that. And of course, we're much limited as far as being long distance. But then when we were together, I was much more willing to be like, okay, let's try some of these things that we've been talking about so much. And then even weirdly then there was a hesitation from him, which again is almost a little odd because it's like, all right, now's now's your chance to really, you know, play out some of these things we've talked about. But even then it was he was hesitating or not willing to engage fully with my ideas or what I felt
0: I needed from him. Mm. And do you feel like then, you know, as the sort of like inverse of that, he was maybe trying to take more than he was giving? Or what was the dynamic there?
1: You know, I don't really, I don't really know, because I think I was still so new in my own journey with that, that I didn't have the language that I have today to explain some of those things. And I think it was just another thing where something
0: that I had made a priority, he has not. So again, back to the theme, regardless of whether that's about exploring kinks or meeting up or, um, you know, living in the same area or how often you were talking, you were still sort of that second last priority in the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so kind of where did it go
1: from there? So then I was getting closer to either having to re-enlist or separate from the military. And I had a couple different options at that point. And I knew no matter what, that I wanted to go back to school. Like if I were going to separate, I was going to school full time. I was ready to get my degree. I was ready to really, quote unquote, I keep saying this, this has been my buzz phrase for the past week is lean in. I was ready to lean in to my degree. Um, Thank you, Cheryl
0: Sandberg. Um Love me some (laughs) Cheryl Sandberg. Love me. Yes.
1: I honestly have mixed feelings about her, but I've just latched on to lean in. So um, yeah, I was ready to get my degree. So my options were move back home to my hometown. And I absolutely did not want to do that. Or move in with him where I had a couple months to kind of get my stuff together. I didn't necessarily have to pay first last month's rent and a deposit and all of that. I would just move in with him and then get a job, start school, start contributing as far as, you know, financially once I was a little more settled. And then I also had that stability of having a person that I knew and having a person that. I loved in my life and I debated back and forth a lot and he and I talked about it a lot and I finally decided I was like okay let's just do this we've been talking slash dating um what was it almost two years Mm -hmm. at that point so I felt like I was ready to take that next step and I was ready to deal with whatever the consequences of that were And I was always the person that had plan A, plan B, plan C, and then like absolute worst case scenario kind of thing in my head. So I think looking back, I always had some sort of idea that it wasn't the fantasy that I wanted it to be in my head because I did always have that plan. I resubmitted all of my paperwork to my community college in my hometown, in addition to applying to schools where he was at. You know, I did set myself up and I'm very thankful that I did because spoiler alert, that did not last very long. Mm. So I got out of the military. I moved back with my parents very briefly as a transition point to kind of pack up my stuff and make sure everything was together and then packed up my car and was going to drive the two or three days to where he was. And my dad actually agreed to come along to keep me company and help me pay for some of the like hotels along the way. And then when I got down there, um, Austin was coming back like the day after I arrived okay so I had a key to his place a day
0: there by
2: yourself
1: yes Mm -hmm. a day to set up unpack all my stuff which I think was really great and then he came back and then my dad was still there and then my dad left that night and then the very first night that he and I were alone in his apartment (laughs) this is this is the fun not fun story this is <laughs> this is the story and this is written on the blog i ended up writing about this story and fleshing it all out in my head on my phone in mm-hmm. just like the iphone notes app typed it all up and sent this huge thing to stevie who is um founder and amazing human associated with we are her who is also one of my best friends. And I sent it to her and I was like, here, this, this is what I needed to write. And it's so great. And then she's like, okay, well, this is going to need to be like three sections. Do you realize how many words you just sent me? And I was Mm. like, oh, I didn't realize because I just like, had some sort of manic energy and wrote yeah. it all down. And Catharsis, was like, just get crap. it
0: out. Just word dump, you know, you can edit later. But sometimes that process of just like word dumping feels so cathartic. Just get it yes. out of you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is about another girl in his life. Um, I believe I named her Erin. I think it's called the Erin story on the blog. And she had been somebody in his life. That they were kind of dating. Like I knew they had had sex before and then they kind of weren't. And then he was very much, well, it's never going to last. It's never going to be long-term. I'm never going to marry someone again. So it doesn't matter. You know, this is just some girl that I'm fucking essentially.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And she was interested in some of the same kinky things that I was interested in. So I was like, yeah, great. Like live your life, explore that. That sounds great. But I did have a little bit of jealousy just because he was a little, um, he never told me the full story with her. Mm. And it wasn't until they together were literally in front of my face that I figured it out. Mm. Just the way that they acted around each other, like they were not friends. They were more intimate. They were a lot closer He ended up close with her son, which I didn't really know about until I was there. And then they had went to the kitchen together to just, like, get a drink or something. And I was in the living room. And then I got up to, like, go also get something to drink and, like, walked around the corner. And I don't remember exactly... Like what I saw specifically, but their body language and like the way they were standing so close to each other, it was just extremely shocking Mm. because I had just moved in with him to essentially solidify our relationship, to then go to school here, to literally start my life with you essentially. And you had this other girl in your life who was just also if not more so equally obsessed with you and equally wrapped around your finger believing all of your bullshit because she had no idea I was anything more than his favorite phrase was you're just my bff to her like you're my bff
0: that you live with (laughs) yes yes Mm. so he was he was doing a lot of like lying covering up not being honest, kind of manipulating everyone's perspective about what was actually going on.
1: Yes. And I was kind of like fine with it to a point, but now that I'm on, you know, my today self and my today headspace, that would never be acceptable in my life. I would never let a partner lie to another partner about who I am, about my relationship with them, about anything mm. because I do still practice non-monogamy today with right. my partners. And I would never, that is a total 100% boundary that that is not okay. I will never be hidden. I will never be, I am who I am. I am as important to you as I
0: really am. Right.
1: And yeah.
0: I th- right. And, Cause and non-monogamy I think that- is not about like being, um, you know, the the lying or like, you know, like not telling and being open and communicating with and being fully transparent with all partners. It's not about having like separate relationships that nobody knows about each other. That's not non-monogamy, you know. Yes. And I think it's not what from what I'm hearing and kind of like listening to you talk about this, it sounds like he was exploiting the fact that you were non-monogamous in order to essentially be a cheater. I mean like, you know, and so like ex- he totally exploited that and and kept you in the dark and like used you and was not being honest and transparent with all of his partners.
1: Yeah, and if we circle back, my first understanding with him was that he sort of had a idea of, well, I don't think I can maintain non-monogamy long term. So he was pushing back against non-monogamy a little bit in the beginning. Right. But then used it totally to his advantage because right. I was so willing to be like, yeah, have sex with whoever you want. Have fun. Be safe. Wear a condom. Get tested. That's great. But not ever fully disclosing was was never okay.
0: And the fact that he was saying and treating you as a long-term committed intimate partner, but then yes. using the fact that you were non-monogamous to then uh, – mistreat you and lie is like you know that's not acceptable regardless of whether you're monogamous or not that's not okay you deserve to be treated well you deserve to be treated with respect you deserve to have him explain to his other partners who you are and what you mean to him and that if they're not okay with it right like if then they don't want to engage in some sort of relationship physical or emotional or otherwise with him then he has to say okay well then you know, this is still a person that's a priority. This is still someone I'm committed to, but he wasn't doing that. He was saying one thing and behaving a completely different way.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So then once she had went back home, I kind of confronted him about it. And I was like, you know, that, well, actually, I don't even think I confronted him. I think I just immediately started crying like as mm. soon as she left the like apartment and then I watched them in the window Go like suck on each other's face. Mm,
2: and then I was just
1: like, nope, that's too far. Like, after kind of lying, or at the very least, just smoking beers in this, I was not interested in that at all. So then when he came back upstairs, I was like hysterical and I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, why am I here? Why did you make me feel like I could come here and live with you and have this safe space? not even necessarily safe space, but just have something starting with you really concretely. Why did you give me any of that if you were still so involved with her? Right. And then he was like, well, you can't just show up here and just expect everything at once. Mm. And I was like, I'm not expecting everything at once. I'm expecting certain level of respect for me, for my existence in this house and just wanting to be able to explore this relationship with you together in the same place at the first time. I'm not saying let's go run to the chapel and get married and be absolutely partners for life. Like I never had that expectation. I just had a very basic expectation of let's really figure out what our relationship looks like together and I didn't have any space for that with this other person in his life.
0: And the basic expectation that you're treated with respect. Period. And he was not treating you with respect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we were kind of fighting that
1: night. And I had asked him, like, do you want me to like sleep in bed with you? Or do you want me to go into my room where I had just I'd bought like an air mattress just so I could like have my own kind of hideaway and have a desk and study and have my own space within his apartment. And he was like, I don't know, what do you want to do? And I was like, I just asked you your thoughts on this. And I am not interested in anything other than you answering my question. Mm -hmm. And he would not give me an answer. Which I feel like he knew that the answer was, of course, I want to be next to you, even if we're fighting. So I then tried to, you know, like, whatever, I'll get over it. That whole don't go to bed angry thing that people tell you, which honestly, I think is kind of crap because it's okay to just be angry and it's okay to just have feelings sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to go to bed. I tried to sleep next to him. It did not work. I got up and I tried to go into the other room and sleep. That did not work. I got on my phone and was like just scrolling through whatever. And I realized that there was not, like I was still not actually mad at him. And then I realized that that was not okay, Mm. that I was so upset and so hurt, but I couldn't actually be mad at him. Like I was so manipulated and so infatuated, I guess, with the idea of him that I had had in my head for so long that I couldn't actually be mad. And I think that's something that I kind of carry to today, like that's kind of like part of my personality is I have a really hard time actually staying mad. Like I'll get mad and blow up, but to stay mad is really hard. So then to realize I wasn't mad and I was just able, like, I was willing to just forgive him. And then I was like, that is not okay. So then I started planning in my head, how was I going to get out of this? And I decided that when he got up for work, If he didn't come in and, like, say goodbye to me or say anything to me that morning, I was done. Like, I couldn't continue to live in this situation. It was too awful. And he got up. I heard him get up. He walked past my room, went to the bathroom, took a shower, did all of the normal things, and just left. Mm. Didn't say anything to me. And knew that I had gotten up in the middle of the night, knew that I had slept in a different room, didn't say anything to me. Mm. So then I was like, all right, it's 6 a.m. and I'm driving my ass to Walmart so I can get a topper thing for my car. Cause I knew I wasn't gonna be able to pack my car as well as I had packed it with days of planning with my dad. So I was like, I'm packing up all of my shit right now and I'm leaving. And this was, I think a second, this was like the second night that he and I had actually been together. Mm. So it was real quick that it went from, this is my future, this is my life, I'm living with you, to I am so absolutely not dealing with this. It's very traumatic. Yeah, and it was awful. It was awful. I, it was, so on the way driving from my small town to where he lived we spent the night in three hotels so it was like three days of driving and on the way home I did it in two so I only slept one night in a hotel I just drove the, mm-hmm. as much as and physically tired as I was like as long as I wasn't going to like fall asleep I was just driving I tried to listen to music and it was either a love song that made me sob or something else that made me sob and it was awful it was the absolute worst I'd ever felt I actually got um an audiobook I think two audiobooks and listened to them in their entirety because it was the only thing that I could actually think about was like somebody reading a book to me um I think that's actually when I read girl on a what is it the girl on the train something something the um the it ended up being an Emily Blunt movie so that was also Mm -hmm. oh boy (laughs) so that was also a super traumatic Mm -hmm. thing to be reading about but I was just like so mad at just like men in general and that was that was a good book to just kind of focus my brain on and I had called a couple of my friends and my family and spent time just talking about like nope I'm coming home (laughs) like Surprise, surprise.
0: (laughs) See you in a few days. So you, so you made it back home um, and then was it just over or did that process drag out at all? Kind of the breakup process or. So I asked him
1: as I was packing things up, I didn't want to literally just text him and be like, I'm leaving. So I asked him to call me. I asked him to take five minutes out of his day so I could just tell him over the phone that I would not be there when he got back and he would not even do that. He would mm-hmm. not even call me. And because he was in a leadership position, he was totally able to just go in his office, close the door, have a personal phone call for five minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it wasn't like he was a grunt who had absolutely no breaks in the day kind of right. thing. Um, And I didn't fully understand what had just happened. Also, like, I feel like one part of my brain was making these good decisions. And then another part of my brain was just like, what the hell is happening right now? So it took months for me to kind of realize what had even happened. I knew I was upset. I knew I had just lost someone that was really important to me, but I didn't really understand how manipulated I had become because I was so excited and so trusting and so like, yeah, this is the guy who supported me through my divorce and told me that everything was going to be fine and this was this exciting kind of fun thing that was in my life. And then for it to just end so abruptly and then he didn't even care. I remember the last one of the last text messages he sent, which I think is also published somewhere on We Are Her, was like, he said something about, well, I hope or I know you'll one day swipe right on your happiness or something just so like oh just get back on those dating apps Mm, kind of thing and I just was like yeah "Yeah." no no validation of your
0: feelings
1: yes and I was like you know we argued over the last few text messages too because I was like I never expected the world from you I just expected very basic like Let's figure this relationship out together sort of thing. And then to not have space for that, I was done. And then super ironically, I guess I had like the typical like month long, I am so miserable. I'm laying on the couch watching Netflix, binge watching everything at my parents' house. Don't talk to me. I don't want to get a job. Don't ask me about school. I'm just going to exist in this moment. And super ironically, I guess Stevie was going through kind of similar things and had just moved back home to our small town as well, so we had reconnected, and she approached me about we are her and about writing for the blog and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like a really great idea um and through that was really when I started processing everything, and that really gave me space to like figure out what the hell had happened because Mm -hmm. I still didn't really know what had happened and then pretty quickly after that I was pretty I was feeling better I had sort of like a bounce back kind of relationship fling with this guy who was also kind of trash (laughs) in some ways like yeah he was just kind of the thing that I needed um, he didn't really want to respect boundaries, but you know, he was fun enough to hang around with kind of thing. He was also prior military, so kinda of understood that mindset. And then randomly out of nowhere, I met like the absolute most amazing human being in the whole entire world. <laughs> Stevie is nodding violently. <laughs> <laughs> she knows him and he is so great. Um, who is my current primary partner today. And I got to see what healthy non-monogamy was for the first time. I got to explore my submissive side with this person and really, really gave me space to feel safe and feel respected and really respected all of my boundaries. And anytime, I mean, even till today, like we're going through some, or I'm going through some weird stuff that's kind of reflecting into our relationship and is super just you know, what do you need from me? Like, that's the thing that I never even remotely heard with that relationship with Austin of like, giving me that space to be like, what can I do? Or what am I doing something that's upsetting you right now? Did I unintentionally do something? Like, never, ever did I have anything like that with Austin. And now I have that today. And it helped. Clarify so much of like this is what an actual relationship is supposed to look like and feel like,
2: mm.
1: and it's awesome. And I wrote a piece or two on the blog as well about meeting him and how my brain just spiraled into, Oh my god, this guy is so awesome! but also, Holy crap, stop being crazy!
2: <laughs> like, you need to slow
1: down, you can't like someone this much, just right off the bat. But it's we've been together three years and a couple months at this point and yeah things are good
0: so there's hope there's hope um to find like healthy respectful safe love and um i think sometimes we think about education in terms of teaching people everything that they need to be scared of and teaching people all the red flags and everything that's bad but sometimes the biggest teaching tool can be to know what is good, to have a, re- a positive reference point to say, oh, I know what I want. I know what feels good. I know what respect looks like. I know what healthy relationships look like. And then when you encounter the red flags, you're actually able to compare and contrast and say, oh, that's a red flag. But if you don't have that other reference point, how are you supposed to know that it's a red flag? It just it can be so confusing, especially when that other person has so much control. They're controlling the narrative of the relationship and the perspective your perspective, everything. Um, and I also just want to point out too, I in listening to kind of um your relationship with Austin, I think we often think of abuse as being super um active and aggressive but um and there was actually a really great post on we are hers instagram recently about this but Mm -hmm. this idea of stonewalling um and how that can be a really passive form of abuse because once someone is in love with you if you pull the rug out from underneath them and cold shoulder them it leaves them reeling and it leaves them desperate for that affection and that and that love um which is still a power differential. Regardless of whether you're actively harming or you're passively harming, you still have the power and control. And so, I thought that was a really important point to sort of um talk about and I definitely heard that in your as a theme in your relationship with Austin, but um I really love that you are including this like other side of the coin that it can get better and that you can find really amazing love on your terms. Um And that's a very hopeful message.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just the whole side of emotional abuse is very interesting because I don't think it's talked about enough because I was going through all of this and I had no idea really that I was going through as much as until I started telling the story and lining everything up and being like, Wow. Yeah. There was always a power differential. There was always some sort of element where I was secondary, tertiary, not just to his job, because you're in the military, your job almost always has to take some sort of priority. But I was never the like next best thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He also never actually let me use the word like boyfriend or partner or that we were in a relationship it was always just like oh this is a fun thing that we're doing kind of thing so definitely controlled that aspect of just the terminology around what i wanted it to be versus what he was willing to give me
0: mm-hmm. and he was saying one thing but doing another which keeps you locked into that power dynamic yeah he was giving you just enough that you wanted to stay in the relationship but not an everything that you deserved um and i think that is more common than it should be, and I think it's something we don't talk about in terms of being abusive, um, so I think that perspective is really important um, and I just so appreciate you being willing to offer that that perspective and to being so open with your sexuality and how all of those dynamics come into play in these types of relationships, because I think that that is probably something that, that somebody else out there is experiencing, and if we don 't talk about it and we don't put language around it um, it's easy to have it be ignored. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: with going off of that too, is pretty much anything that someone is into, like another person is willing to explore that with you. And I think it takes time to find the right person that's willing to do it in a healthy, productive kind of way. But it's definitely worth waiting for that right thing, instead of just kind of jumping into what's in front of you, Mm. which is never necessarily on you to be like, I am so smart. And I know that this is a good person to explore this with, but realizing when you have some of those gut feelings or when somebody isn't respecting or someone is pushing every single thing that you say is like, well, can I take it a step further? Or can I just do this a little further? Like, oh yeah this girl, she's just kind of in my life, you know, you're, you're important to me and she's just going to go away. Well, also I should say that he is now married to that girl in the kitchen. So that when I found that out, I was a little bit devastated because it was always, oh, well, you're still more important. And she's just a girl who lives in this town that I'm in and all those sorts of things to then, one, he said he would never remarry and that he would never marry me to then, oh, now you're married to this other girl. That was a little bit absolutely insane. And also about a year, almost a year to the date that I left, he sent me a message on Facebook. Because I had removed him as a friend, but I didn't block him. And he sent me a message, something to the extent of, you know, I really regret letting you go or something to that like Mm. crazy nonsense. And I was actually, I had spent the night at my current partner's place and I like came running down the stairs and I was like, you'll never believe who just messaged me. And I like thrust it up in his face and he's like, what, who, who is this? And I was like, this is the guy, this is the one that I talk about that like messed up my brain so hard. And he's trying to like, put this new idea out there. Like weasel his oh, way so back. Great. in, Yeah. And I was just like, what is happening? This is not even real life. And I, I stupidly responded like the day later. And then he tried his bullshit again of like, "Well, you know you're just resentful or something, like, whatever that was dumb, you responded, you fed the trolls, move on, and I haven't heard from him or had any contact since then, but that was also insane. <laughs> and then I guess I'm using slang terms which are not necessarily the nicest words, but sometimes it's my own my own story, and I just don't know that I have another word to really explain how I feel about it. But
0: it is I mean, it is crazy making, right? There is like the yeah. psychological element of it's attacking your psyche. You know, it is crazy. It—that That is crazy behavior. You know, that is not healthy, <laughs> grounded, yes. respectful behavior. And that that gets worked out and played out in that relationship dynamic. It's 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 not healthy. You're right. There's a lot of that crazy energy in there. Um, I don't necessarily think you're using that completely. In a derogatory <laughs> way, I just to affirm that yeah. a little bit. But um, yeah, I guess I just kind of want to wrap up by asking you if you could share any, I don't know, advice or wisdom or perspective from your own experience with any survivor who might be listening. I always kind of like to end that way what would you want to say?
1: So I remember listening to the podcast and I had this moment where I was like, that is the perfect thing. And I'm going to tell everyone (laughs) that this is my advice to the world. And do I remember what that is? No, no, I do not remember what that is. So I guess almost kind of the cliche thing of just, you know, trust yourself and trust the people around you that you already know have your best interest at heart which might not be your mom or your sister or somebody like that because sometimes they have their own motives in the situation but if you have like a best friend who really isn't tied to your relationship at all but is kind of saying like hey what's going on like is everything okay like it's really worth trusting those people because I had some people telling me that this is not fair the way you're being treated and I was just very much you don't understand and we're doing this whole kink thing that you don't understand but they did understand that I was being treated poorly and that I was being an afterthought but I was just trying to frame it through my specific lens Mm. so I think it's it's worth at the very least, challenging your own views sometimes. And that's really hard to do. It's yeah. really very hard. But if you can force yourself to kind of take another person's perspective, it's it can be really valuable in figuring out what's really going on.
0: And I love that perspective about n- needing that neutral ear, needing that neutral perspective. And there are trained advocates out there in the world that you can call and talk to and they're as neutral as it gets, um, and I think that that can be a really scary thought to have to like get on a chat line or pick up that phone and call an advocate. But there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and then there are usually some sort of local um, local hotlines in in people's specific areas. Um, there's also LoveIsRespect.org. They have a 24/7 chat. We Are Her has a chat option to talk to a trained advocate. That's me. Um, (laughs) but, but really there are those neutral voices and those neutral, um, parties out there that can really help bring huge perspectives into, uh, a dynamic that's really confusing. That's really confusing. Um, but, um, thank you so much with that. I think we're just going to kind of end the episode here, but I just so, so appreciate your willingness to be so open and to share a perspective with, with people that I think will... really resonate. Um, so on that note, I think we'll just kind of end, but, uh, thank you girl Adrift. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. having me. <laughs> yeah. And go read their, um, their blog posts on weareher.net. Cool. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.